Matthew chapter 13, and I want to congratulate you, if I can, on making the Lord's Day a priority, being in worship in the Lord's house on the Lord's Day. Matthew chapter 13, and there are things in life that really the only failure is to not try. You could think of some instances of that. You've maybe taught that to your children. You know, sometimes winning isn't the most important thing. And I say that as someone who really does like to win. Uh, If you aren't sure that that's true, you can just ask uh, my wife who had to walk me back a little bit after I lost a basketball game with my sons. (laughs) But there is a sense in which there are some things where the only failure is not to try. And it's an incredibly liberating notion in those areas where it does not matter so much on the success or how much success, but that you, you tried. And the only failure in those circumstances is not to try. And so, uh, you know the quote. Do we have any, uh, any Star Wars fanatics in here? No? We've got a couple. And I'm not talking about like, like you saw one movie, but like you know, like, okay. So you know the part where Yoda is talking. He's training Luke Skywalker, and Luke says, I'll try. And what does Yoda say? There is no try. He says, do... Or do not, there is no try. Well, with all due respect, well, actually, he's a fictional character. He doesn't need respect. But with all due respect, Yoda got this wrong on some things. And what we want to talk about this morning is one of the areas in which the issue is not success or failure, but trying or not trying is how we measure success. Or a failure. And we see that when we come to our text this morning because this logic of there is no try or this, this idea that somehow the results are up to us does not stand up to Matthew chapter 13 in our passage this morning. As we come to Matthew 13, we're coming to another section in where Jesus is teaching But the teaching style and the content shifts a little bit because Jesus goes into parables. He begins teaching in parables. And so not only is it new content, but it's a new context. Because if you look at verse 1, it says, On that day, different location, verse 2, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. So this is a separate incident. So we started a new section. Chapter 12 ended. Chapter 13 begins. And then we come to a parable that has uh, confounded a lot of people and it's caused a lot of people consternation uh, over their assurance of their salvation. Um, But before we dive in, let's talk about what a parable is. You know, when you hear the word parable, and when I think about the word parable, I think about the, the quote from the Princess Bride. You know, there's the character, Inigo Montoya, and another character says, inconceivable, and he looks at the character and he says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Right? 
That, that's, that's how parable studies usually go. People get so caught up in trying to get this really precise definition of a parable. So here's my super scientific scholarly answer to what a parable is. You want to run? You want to know? Okay, here it is. A parable is an illustration from life that teaches. Wow! You're supposed to say wow. wow. There you go. That's profound, isn't it? It's an illustration from life that teaches. It can teach one thing. It can teach many things. But as we come to these parables, Jesus is not just using this form of teaching to mix it up a little bit. You know, he's not just changing the style because, you know, the crowds might get used to his teaching style. He's doing it to not only reveal truth, but also to conceal truth. And we'll talk a little bit about that next week. But Jesus is using parables to teach not only the crowds, but also his disciples. So our parable for this week is the one often called the parable of the sower. But it involves a sower, it involves a seed, and it involves some soils. And we're going to look at each one of those and see what is going on in the parable. But this parable has been interpreted in, in numerous and different ways, and many of them, if I'm being quite honest, the wrong way. Now, I don't want to sound smug, uh, but I, I want you to, as we begin going through the parables, I want to give you some advice on understanding the parables. If you read Matthew 13, almost every parable is about the kingdom. That's the primary focus that Jesus is trying to teach. Any application or implications that we might get out of that will most likely be secondary. So, in other words, if I can put it so bluntly, the parable of the sower in the soils is not so much about you and what soil you are. It's about the kingdom and what kind of soils will the kingdom come in contact with. It's a slight difference, right? But oftentimes, if we're not careful, we read these parables and we, we're so quick to make them about us that we might miss that the actual topic is about the kingdom. So as we read these, we want to keep that in mind, that these are kingdom tales. These are kingdom parables. So, let's look at the parable. And what we'll do is we're going to look at verses 3 through 9. And then we're going to jump over to verses 18 through 23 because that's where Jesus interprets the parable. So not only do when we read parables do we need to keep in mind in Matthew that these are kingdom parables. But we also need to pay attention to when Jesus himself interprets a parable for us. Okay, If Jesus interprets the parable we do not have a lot of license to go and say well no this is what it actually means. Okay, So let's look at the parable beginning in verse 3. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still, other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Let anyone who has ears listen. 
So Jesus gives this parable. Then there's an interlude, a kind of an explanation why Jesus speaks in parables in verses 10 through 17. We'll get to that next week. But go down to verse 18. Now, what I want you to notice something is there's one little shift that takes place. Okay, In verse 18, he's talking. He says, so listen to the parable of the sower. And who he's talking there is the disciples. He's talking to the disciples there. But in verse 3, it's then he told them, that is the large crowd. So now Jesus gives this parable. And the crowd hears that, and they either hear, if they have ears to hear, they hear. Or if they don't have ears to hear, they don't hear it, right? So the, the, the audience goes from them to, in verse 18, it's, so you, listen, the disciples. So this is something that Jesus is explaining for the disciples. A disciple will hear this parable. Someone who is committed to following Christ and trusted Jesus will hear this parable and understand But Jesus explains it. So here's what he says to his disciples. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So this is verse uh, verse 4. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. What does that mean? Well, he doesn't understand it, and the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. Verse 20, and the one sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness or the pleasure of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 23, but the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who produces fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. So we have the parable, we have the interpretation. So let's walk through very quickly. The first thing we want to look at is the sower and the seed. Okay, If you look at verse 18, Jesus says, listen to the parable. And he says, when anyone hears the word about the kingdom. So there is a sower who's throwing out the seed. And the seed, Jesus says, is what? The word of the kingdom. Now, Jesus doesn't tell us who the sower is. But I think we could say that at least we could consider Jesus a sower. He comes proclaiming the kingdom. Verse 19 says, when the word of the kingdom, when they hear that, that's another way of Matthew saying the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. If you went back to Matthew 4.23, Jesus was going around proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus is a sower, but also by application to us, we are to be sowers. Whenever we, whenever we sow the seed, whenever we proclaim or preach or share the gospel, we are sowing that seed. So Jesus was a sower. I'm a sower. Every preacher that is preaching the gospel is a sower. Every time you share the gospel, you're a sower. So there's the sower. That's the one who's proclaiming what? The seed. The gospel of the kingdom. So now what we see is that there are 
there, there's an individual declaring the gospel. And what's going to happen when you declare the gospel? You're going to get mixed results. Because some's gonna, some of it is going to fall on different hearts. There's soil number one that we saw, right? So we've talked about the sower and the seed. But let's talk about the soils. What I want you to understand is that on the, we're, we're coming on the heels of Matthew 11 and 12, right? Where we talked about uh, the context Jesus is talking about, how we need to be declared righteous, how we need Jesus' righteousness, how he gives it to us, he adopts us, and he makes us a part of his family, right? But we also remember in chapter 12, what did Jesus encounter? A lot of opposition, and so this parable, going into these parables, really in the context of Jesus' teaching ministry, these parables serve to explain why it is that the good news of the gospel meets such different responses. Why is it that you proclaim the same message and you get such different responses? Well, the, the reason is because there are different soils on which the seed falls. In Matthew 11 and 12, we saw everything from enthusiastic acceptance to outright rejection. Why? Well, Jesus uses this parable to teach us. What does he say? Well, it depends on the soil. And so the purpose of the parable, I think, is to prepare us as we take the gospel of the kingdom... To know that we're going to encounter different types of soil. So as we share and as we proclaim, what are we going to encounter? Well, first of all, we'll sow the seed and it might fall on soil number one. If you look at verse 19, what kind of soil is that? It's a hard soil. It's a tough soil because it is a path. He says that the word of the kingdom goes and does not understand it because the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. So oftentimes when you share the gospel, when we preach the gospel, when we declare it, it'll be outright rejected. It'll be snatched away so soon. If you've ever had that experience, one of the, one of the most frustrating experiences you can have in sharing the gospel is someone who simply does not care. There, there are people that you'll come into contact with who might have some concern for their eternal destiny they might have some concern for spiritual things but when you come across someone who simply does not care really about anything but there's a there's a spiritual component the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart they they have no time to process it as soon as they hear the good news they run back to their sin and their old way of life and so you may share the gospel and nothing happens Visibly. But something is happening. And so you might share the gospel and you might walk away thinking, I don't, what, what it, huh? Like that, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to get that time back or, or whatever. But, but that's sowing on rocky path, on the, on the, along the path. So you might share and the seed might fall on. Soil number one. Or it might fall on soil number two. Listen to this. He says, And the one sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears it and immediately receives it with joy. So you might share the gospel with someone and they might, you know, this is the type of person who I, I think we could characterize as they're looking for a get out of hell free card, right? It's like, you mean that I could not go to hell when I die? Yes, sign me up. Uh, uh, great. 
Or they might receive it with some other joy. You mean I might be able to see grandma and grandpa again? Okay, great, sign me up. You mean that I might be able to uh, find a wife or a husband in the church? Great, sign me up. They receive it with joy. But notice what does he say? It has no root and is short-lived. So, so they, in other words, they want all the good stuff. But then notice what happens. But this man has no root. And it's short-lived. It's shallow. And then when distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. So you might share the gospel and see and what might seem to be immediate results. But you might find out later that there's no root. There's no depth. And that when the hard times come, that person says... On second thought, I'm out. So you might sow on soil number two, or you might sow on soil number three. It says, now this is the one sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So you might share the gospel with someone, and they... They're kind of neutral about it. They may say, I tentatively agree. But what happens is they may even say they believe, but then they get so caught up in the things of this world with the deceitfulness of wealth. They rather chase the wealth. They rather pursue pleasure that the word gets choked out. I mean, look at that imagery of, of it being choked out. In other words, it's Jesus saying you can't serve two masters. You can't have thorns and this other plant. One, of, one will win out in the end. And is Chris in here? Chris? Is Chris in here? Okay, no. Sorry to call you out, Chris. But have you ever noticed which one, which one spreads more easily, thorns or other plants? Thorns. Oh, my goodness. You, you know, it, it takes like a lot of work to keep your garden or, or some plant alive, but you don't have to do anything to thorns and they're just everywhere, right? And Jesus is using this analogy that you can't have both. So you might share and someone will just be so preoccupied with other things. But here's where it gets even better, Okay. The, all of those, you might be disappointed, you might be frustrated, you may find yourself saying, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But then there's a fourth type of soil. Jesus says, the one who sows on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands. So notice Jesus separates them. He says, hears and understands. It's not just hearing, but understanding. They understand what it means. They understand what it requires. They understand what they're being called to. And they say, yes, this one produces fruit and yields. Some 100, some 60, some 30. So the purpose we see, Jesus is saying, is as we proclaim and, and share the gospel, we're going to encounter these four types of soil. But here's the thing. Here's what we need to keep in mind. Throughout this whole passage, do you know what is echoing in the background? You know what the background music to this passage is? Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. And you, you know that, right? 
so as the word goes out from my mouth, it will accomplish that which I send it to do. As the rain uh, feeds the earth and waters the earth. Right? So here's the thing. This whole parable tells us about the types of soil we will encounter. But it's also a reminder that the power is not in you. The power is in the seed. The power is in the gospel. And so, in light of this parable, what does the sower do? Notice there's no description that he's looking for the different types of soil. There's no, he's not looking for just the good soil, right? He has the seed, and he's just casting it everywhere. I mean, the imagery, right? He's literally just throwing it anywhere and everywhere. So, in light of this parable, what, what are we to take away from this? Well, I want to give you four truths to understand just out of this parable for us as we think about sharing the gospel and the reactions that we'll get. Number one, the first truth to understand, and I say understand because that's what Jesus says, right? Let him who hears, the one who hears and understands. This is one of those texts that is not so much, a, it is a call to action, but but it's a reminder of some truths that we need to remember. But the first one is, we must preach and share the gospel. There's no way around it. The sower sows. A Christian shares. A Christian who does not sow, it, it does not compute we must preach and share the gospel. That is how the seed is distributed. The seed cannot distribute itself. It must be proclaimed. It must be shared. That's, that's an assumption in the parable. The second truth is we should preach and share it liberally. You might even say promiscuously. That's the image. It's shared anywhere and everywhere. If we're honest, sometimes there are people that we don't feel comfortable sharing with the gospel with because we might think, I don't have much in mind. But if we're sowing it like the parable, we're throwing it anywhere and everywhere. I think about the Apostle Paul. If he were alive today, I think he would say, uh, you know, we're getting ready to get, we're not, but England's getting ready to get a new king, right? King Charles. I think Paul would say, I'll preach the gospel to Charles and I'll preach it to Cletus. I don't care. I'll span the entire range. Rich, poor, doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. We should preach and share the gospel liberally, promiscuously. So understanding that, the third truth I want to remind you and understand is that the result will depend on the heart that hears it. The result of you sharing the gospel will depend on the heart that hears it, not so much on you. Let's just address one of the, you know, I've been in ministry for a long time, and I hear it so much. I kind of don't want to tell you because you'll say it to me just to make me pull my hair out. But 
we talk about why don't we share the gospel and we say, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm afraid I might not say the right thing. And can we just maybe officially put that excuse to rest? I mean, can we like bury it 12 feet deep? It literally has almost no bearing on whether a heart is receptive. Your, your communication skills will not till the soil of a person's heart. You will not speak so clearly and so eloquently. eloquently I just Ironic, I mess up the word eloquently. <laughs> you will not speak so perfectly that they will just be wowed by your communication skills and say, yes, sign me up. The scriptures are very clear that a heart that receives, a heart that is good soil, is soil that's been tilled by the Lord. The Holy Spirit has been at work at that person. And the Holy Spirit makes that person alive and they receive and they are now good soil. So the result doesn't depend on how well you say it, whether you leave a phrase out. I mean, you want to get the gospel right. You want to make sure to communicate. I'm not saying, you know, be careless about how you communicate it. But if you stutter, if you mess up, if you can't answer a question, it does not matter. What matters is that person's heart. And like we said, the only failure is to not try. So we must preach and share. We must do it liberally. The result will depend on the heart that hears it. And the fourth truth I want to remind you is that Kind of a follow-up. The result is not up to you. So it depends on the heart that hears it. But the flip side of that is it's not up to you. Think about it. You didn't make the seed. You didn't make the soil. So what is your role? Your role is the distribution. So success or failure is not on is there growth or not, is there response or not. Success or failure is is there distribution or not. So if we summarize everything that we've seen, how can we, what's the big takeaway? I would say it's this, we can expect various responses to the gospel as we seek to share it as freely as possible. Let me say that again. We can expect various responses to the gospel as we seek to share it as freely as possible. We'll encounter different soils. The seed will fall on different hearts. There will be rejection. There will be obstacles. There will be disappointment. But there will also be a harvest. And here's where it gets even better. Not only is it not up to you, but the size of the harvest is not up to you. What does Jesus say? It'll fall on good ground. So you could preach and share. And it could fall on good ground. And they'll hear it. But what you don't know is sometimes it might yield 100. Sometimes it might yield 60. Sometimes it might yield 30 times what was sown. So you have no, you, you don't make the seed, you have nothing to do with the seed, you have nothing to do with the ground, and then you have nothing to do with how much is actually harvested. 
So you may share and you may have a massive harvest. Well, it's not your harvest, but it's the Lord's harvest. But, but you may share and lead thousands of people to Christ a year. You may share a thousand times a year and only lead three people to Christ. And you know what? Neither one is better than the other. The fruit, the harvest can be 30, 60, or 100. Think about Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah preached for years and years without a single convert. Think about the life of Jesus. Being rejected, argued, having plots of murder against him. So again, when it comes to sharing the gospel, the failure does not lay in failing to find good soil. It's not up to you to find good soil. The failure comes in not sowing the seed. So in the end, the parable teaches us that we've been called to spread the gospel of the kingdom and we can expect various responses to the gospel as we seek to share it as freely as possible. I want to end by reminding us, I want to give you just a short definition of the gospel. I don't think it's ever a bad idea for us to go back and, and simply ask, what is the gospel? So we're talking about sharing it. What is the message that you are to share? Okay. This is long, so if you want to try to write it down, you can. But if you, I can, we can get it to you later. But here's the gospel that we are called to share. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom. That sinners and rebels can be saved, forgiven, and cleansed through faith in Jesus Christ, the King, who died on the cross in their place, who took all the condemnation they deserved, and who also rose again so that they can be declared righteous through grace alone, Sorry, by faith alone, through grace alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. I butchered that. I'm sorry. Who also rose again so that they can be declared righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. If you need that, you can come get it afterwards. But that's, that's the gospel in a nutshell. The good news that we're called to share. And there's no better news. There's nothing better that we could share with people than this good news of Jesus Christ. As you do, it will be rejected. It will be misunderstood, but it will also produce fruit. So, in the end, let's all commit to sharing the gospel freely and leave the results to the Lord. Maybe as you've heard this, you've been convicted. You haven't shared the gospel in a while. Maybe there's someone you know you, you've been wanting to share the gospel with, but you've kind of been putting off. You've been trying to, to find the, the right moment. Well, listen, if your eloquence isn't going to do it, finding the perfect timing is not going to do it either. The best time to share the gospel is any time. And so we're going to come to a time of invitation. This is a time for you to respond and ask the Lord, how would you have me to respond in light of this? And I want to end with one note of encouragement. I know that this text often is preached and taught in such a way that, that you could leave here 
doubting your salvation. A lot of times this text is preached as what type of soil are you? I've tried to consciously avoid that for one very specific reason. I don't think that's really a primary application. First of all, let's think about, uh, let's think about Peter. Wasn't he a little bit of all of them? I mean, Peter, Peter kind of went back and forth a little bit. And so if, you, if you've heard this and in the back of your mind, you, you thought about maybe a past sermon or this is something and you're like, well, I wonder what type of soil am I? Remember, what did we say the past and the previous weeks? What's the right way to respond to the kingdom, to Jesus? You believe, you trust, you rest in Christ. So if you have done that, you can be assured that the gospel found good soil in your heart. Now, you may have only 30-fold. You may have 100-fold. But if you're, if you're asking that question, what type of soil am I? And it's causing anxiety because you might find yourself in a little bit of all of these. Don't miss the fact that if you heard the gospel... You received it, and you're resting in it. That is the gospel landing on good soil. So be assured. Trust and share that good news that you're resting in. So let's have a time of prayer. You respond as the Lord leads. And I'll be up here at the front if you'd like prayer for anything. If you have any questions, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the good news that Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is our King. God, He is the one that saves us, forgives us, cleanses us through faith in Him. Lord, help us to be sowers of the gospel. Lord, help us to know that there will be different responses but God what you've called us to is not so much to make the fruit happen but to be faithful in sowing the seeds God I pray that you would make Poplar Spring Baptist Church a church full of sowers and God that we would see a great harvest forgive us for the times that we have ignored the prompting of the spirit to share God forgive us if we have so lightly treasured the gospel as to not share it. Holy Spirit, would you move among us and God bring us to the point where we're willing to uh, leave behind and repent of our sins that, that we've committed in regard to sharing the gospel. God, that we would receive and rest in that gospel and then go out into a world and tell that gospel to a world that needs it. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You